So on this week's episode, we're going to be talking about AI. Now, AI is transforming every single industry from healthcare, finance, transportation, and education. It's changing the way we live, interact, and um, and move within this world. Now, this space is moving very rapidly. And I know for a lot of the listeners, it's probably hard to keep up with the trends and the development within AI, but that's where we come to help. Now, in episode number 171, we talked about ChatGPT, which was a great episode hosted by Daniel. It was a group episode. If you haven't yet listened to that episode, please go out and listen to it. In this week's episode, we want to go into a broader conversation around AI, talk about the speed of innovation within AI, the regulations, and then also some use case that you can use if you're working in the corporate space or you're an entrepreneur. So let's get started in regards to the speed and innovation within AI. Hey guys, welcome to episode number 180 of Take Flight Podcast. Hope all our listeners out there are great. But to get started on this week's episode, let's do a check-in on the group. So, Stalin, wish you well. How are you doing? Yes, Olu, all good. It's the the last uh, few days of Ramadan, so probably you can count in one hand how many days we have left. Um, it's been a, a big adjustment to the routine the last month, I would say, compared to the usual early morning starts. There's been a lot of late nights, late night workouts, uh, late nights in the mosque as well. Uh, but looking forward to now uh, the last few days and having the energy for the rest of the year after that as well so all all good otherwise That's, uh, that gives you a lot of context you are because i was getting the apple watch notification of you working out late at night i was like what, <laughs> what's going what's going on with you all <laughs> working out at like yeah. 1 a.m crazy hours so it's good to know it's because of this versus you're doing some other activities no yeah dude <laughs> All right, so with that, the, the early morning notifications will be back uh, very, very soon. So yeah, keep an eye out for it. I ain't, ain't ever got a notification from Pete. <laughs> <laughs> no, 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 no. Shots fired, but I don't have his new Apple ID, so that, that's why. So I, don't, I, I, don't, I don't even think Pete knows his Apple ID. No, <laughs> a, I know my Apple ID. I'm yet to sync up with you guys, but um, yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll do it as of next week. We can sync up and then we can see what's going on. <laughs> <laughs> but actually with that then let's transition to p how how are you doing yeah just to echo everything well. just to echo everything you've been saying it's a very important month for us a great chance to reflect personally professionally from a family standpoint spiritually been a really really good intense especially last 10 days just from a mental standpoint um but much needed and um coming coming out with some good reflections as always so so looking forward to uh, yeah, I won't get into the reflections now, but right, but um, they are looking forward to the last couple of days. Continue to finish strong. We're not there yet, and looking forward to just building on what we've been able to achieve within the month. I think that's the most important thing. Um, versus reverting back to the old self. Will we get a takeaway episode on sort of your reflection? During the I wasn't think I wasn't planning to. I was planning to keep it all business related. Might be a private conversation instead. Because um, I did notice that you were off social media, Instagram. I was going to send you something and I realized you went there. So yeah. I know you're laser focused. So it's good to, it's yeah, good to yeah. see. So it's, um, yeah, probably, yeah, probably wasn't planning to, to, to share, to share a takeaway, but we can privately talk. Daniel, Daniel 
Yeah, um, me, all good. Nothing more, nothing less. All dandy. BAU, do you, business as do you, usual. Do you have any plans in the coming weeks? Business as usual. Okay. Man of few words, but many quotes most of the time. Not this time, at least. Uh, but myself, um, I am good. I'm good. For the people that follow me on social media, you'll notice I purchased a new not many. toy. Uh, not many, just a few a few hundreds. Um, not as many as Shuwa, unfortunately, but you know. Um, but yeah, well, we're, we're, all, we're all very big fans of you though, Wally. So th- that's just, the, everything else is irrelevant. Thank you. Thank you. Um, I purchased a new bike, uh, electric bike, and I've been using it like crazy. Um, one, trying to exercise more, which is great. Um, and then secondly, just exploring, right? I think for people that live maybe slightly further away from the train station, it's really good to for your commutes into London or central London. So I've been enjoying it. I know most of the people that follow me or have me on Apple Watch are probably sick of the notifications. It feels like every day they get multiple multiple notifications of me cycling here and there, but I've been enjoying it. Daniel's got something to say. Go on, Daniel. Go on. No, I was Buy those shots. Stickers. <laughs> no, no, no. Those shots. It's just yesterday I was, I was telling Melissa like how much you enjoy the bike because I remember when we had the conversation when you told me about you're thinking about buying the electric bike and yeah. everything around it. And then just seeing you, like we had the conversation and the next thing I know, you, you, you posted like you'd bought it. And then just seeing you, like, how you've been riding up and down, even you going to friends' houses and smiling for the camera. It's actually refreshing to see the excitement from you. That's that's what I'm laughing. <laughs> I mean, it's based on some of your stories, Olio, I thought you started riding that bike around your apartment as well. You've been going wild. <laughs> <laughs> because of how much I paid, or let me not even expose how much I paid for it, but... I don't leave this bike outside. It stays in my apartment. Wherever I go to, if I go to a restaurant um, or even to any event, I take it indoor. It doesn't stay outside. That CFO money is different, bro. Yeah, but share the price point. Because why is it expensive? Maybe you can explain that. So for the the list, I'll tell the make of the bike. It's a Go Cycle. Um, The founder of the bike came from... Yeah, uh, yeah, exactly. So he came from, was it Mercedes or Bentley? It was either Mercedes or Bentley that he left. Um, and he started sort of innovating the bike space um, to come up with an electric foldable bike, which has got like um, like the brakes and the like throttle in terms of the motor and everything is like top end. But even though I do work in finance and you guys will talk about that stuff, you know, um very cautious with how much I spend. So I ended up paying secondhand versus getting a brand new because you know me, I still, I can't justify getting a brand new car off the lot. So why am I going to get a bike off the lot? I'll get a secondhand and I'm loving it. No issues with it. And yeah, fantastic. But I'm not going to put an actual number out there. I've just, I've just had a look. at. Oh. It's not for me to say. It's not for me to say. That's, that's a, that's a brand new one. Like I said, I got a secondhand. But I can't imagine the second hand being much cheaper than the brand new one. But what I will say is, was it coming into this year? Because when you start putting money behind mm. things like this, it means you're taking yeah. your health very seriously. So coming into this year, was health, I mean, it always is, but was health a real priority for you this year? Because I know you're in the gym consistently. Great to yeah. see. Um, and then deciding to invest in this bike is no joke, right? Um, 
So I was people... going to get it last year um, as part of the cycle to work scheme where you get a discount for purchasing it. Um, but I put it off because we're getting into the winter period. So it didn't really make sense. But obviously, as we've talked about before, going to Bali, um, living a more healthier lifestyle, coming back. I just said, you know what? I need to stay healthy, cycle around more, explore more. So, yeah, I said, why not? But for the listeners, I know that was a detour. Um, so let's get back to this actual episode, episode number 180. I want to get you guys' views on the speed and innovation within AI. But before I open it up for a discussion, I wanted to just talk about some of the innovations we've seen within the AI space. We saw in May 2021, Google came out with or started talking about and announcing a language model that they came up with called Google Lambda. Now, what this is, is an open sort of dialogue application where you're able to talk about a particular topic and the AI can conversate with that topic and go anywhere. So it's like an open dialogue. It's more natural. It feels like sometimes it doesn't feel like you're listening to a computer or looking at a computer, but it feels like you're listening to two people interact about any topic that you want to learn about, which is great for the educational space. Another major innovation that came out was Open AI Codex. Three out of the four of us did programming, right? This is a way where you can go into a system, type what you want it to say, and it will code it for you. So you can code a game without understanding coding, but have that skill set needed to create whatever you want to do on the internet. Another innovation that's come out is around NVIDIA. So we know about self-driving cars. They announced in May 21 that they've come out with an AI technology, which will allow automation and autonomous driving. A big space that's also, um, we've seen innovation over sort of 2021 and 2022 is around deep, a DeepMind um, company where they've created protein, protein folding. Now, protein folding, I know a lot of us are not in the science space, but will allow us to be able to make significant innovations or breakthrough within the drug creation and development space. And then lastly, the last one I want to really talk about is Facebook. I've come up with a video editing tool. So there's a lot of creators out there. I know Adobe's also got ones quite similar where you can talk to the, the program and the application and you can ask it to make edits within your video or the picture. So you can say, hey, give me a picture of a spaceship. And you can say, I want this spaceship to now be on Mars. And instead of you having to code it or draw it out, the program and the application would change it instantly. Those are five examples of innovations within the AI space. But now I'll turn it back to you guys. And are you surprised at the speed that we're moving in terms of innovation? For me, it's a surprise and it wows me. But I guess I'll open up to the rest of you, Shawal. Um, what do you think about that innovation and the speed that we're seeing the innovation? Yeah, I think the speed of it is 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 remarkable no matter what metric you look at. I think one interesting one, which has been shared online quite quite often now is the number of users that open ai has and the speed at which they're able to gain users and ultimately the more users that they have inputting prompts into open ai the more intelligent open ai becomes with the answers and the revisions the speed at which they've done it is really uh, astounding and no surprising not surprising that microsoft has gone on to 
um, invest substantially into open AI and then how that compounding just continues to get quicker and and quicker. I think another reference that I, I thought was really cool to hear was um, probably some of the listeners who listen to Take Flight are also listening to All In podcast. And there, uh, Chamath, who used to work at Facebook, was saying how whenever they got a new product feature within the platform of Facebook, it would take months because they would have to test it iterate it get feedback and then go on and on but now in this ai environment because a lot of it is based on uh, supercomputers almost learning within themselves they're able to iterate in days rather than months so if you just drag that out over years then i think yeah the innovation that you've talked about olu will be will just blow our minds probably we won't even be able to comprehend fully the the impact it it will have but it's an exciting exciting time overall daniel um you're typically our technology expert. Um, I was even say early adopter when it comes to technology. How have you been? I've, you're probably the first one to download ChatGPT on this podcast as well. So how are you finding the innovation? Hearing, and I know you always talk about companies copying each other, but the amount of people that are coming up with AI tools, innovation, it's, it's overwhelming now, it feels like. So I don't think it's any surprise at the rate at which technology is transforming and the rate at which adoption is um, is happening. I think that trajectory is going to continue to be on that steep curve. When you look at millennials and Gen Z, we're very much early adopters. We're, we're resistant to change and very much welcome change, as opposed to those of our parents' ages and older generation. And when you look at OpenEye, what they achieved of 100 million users within five days, the fastest ever growing adoption of any technology, surpassing Instagram, WhatsApp, Facebook. Um, and all other fast emerging technologies, it's definitely one for the future. And I think, I think people find this use case rather fascinating and people will continue to find it fasc fascinating as well as things being built on top of that, as that being the form of, of a foundation. With ChatGPT4, which was introduced about a month ago, which allows for people to, to create, edit, and do more advanced things like write screenplays, write songs, I think it also now adds an element of it affecting those in say the publishing industry or those that want to write books or authors etc and even song songwriters i think it now affects the more creative industry where penmanship and writing ability was very much welcomed and appreciated and when we look at five to ten years i think this will just be a tip of the iceberg i think we're going to delve into areas and spaces where other companies are going to use the existing technologies and intelligence that, have been, that has been built to build more impactful and other rel relative and relatable products to their business needs, what they provide and serve. I don't want to go off on a tangent too much, but when we look at competitors of Google, Microsoft, Microsoft who have backed OpenAI, you look at Google, which they've implemented and created their own rival product, we'll continue to see others wanting to release their products into the market. And I think it's healthy competition. But we even saw as far as last, um, at the beginning of April, Elon Musk stating he wants there to be a pause on AI. <laughs> he said, just give it a six-month pause because he said, this AI stresses me out. And I can only imagine how he feels. Someone who's as creative in his mind that's going over a million miles per hour, what he's thinking of with, with AI and trying to get that competitive advantage. And I think it can be, if it's misused, as with anything, it can be damaging for society. So we definitely have to be careful around its capabilities we've all probably seen or heard of the film iRobot and allowing robots and machines to take away the human interaction uh, because once that's done you know things can't be undone 
Now, Daniel, that's actually a really good transition, right? So we've talked about the speed and innovation in the space. But for our listeners, there's two really good interviews that came out the last um, last week, couple of weeks. So one was with Elon Musk and Tucker Carson, right? And within this um, interview, it talks about the need for regulation within artificial intelligence, right? They both talk about the benefits of AI, right? But what about the threat on humanity? Like, because of such a speed to innovate and so many competitors, are people truly following the right right safeguards around AI, right? I think this is what a lot of people are saying is a hyper-intelligent tool, computer, which at some point would become smarter than the human race, right? And I think you talked about iRobot. Everyone can think about also Terminator, where if you don't have the right rules or controls in place, maybe the technology or the AI uh, process can turn around and say, what's best for the world is for human race not to exist. And <laughs> we, we might reach an end of world situation, which you wouldn't expect someone like Elon Musk, which a lot of people feel like he's always fast paced, um, break stuff, right? Um, innovator to say, hey, maybe we should slow down with this technology because of how dangerous or the big threat that it can cause to humanity. Another interview that came out, which also I would recommend for our listeners to listen to, was um, with 60 Minutes. So this was with Google's CEO, um, Sundai Pichai, where they talked about, he talked also about AI. He talked about, look, a lot of benefit in healthcare, climate control. But if we don't get regulations and frameworks in place, this could lead to a situation that it can manipulate people, societies, cause wars, etc. And we're talking about competition within the US, right? This is a nation or a national concern, right? There's other countries, geo, uh, geopolitical um, risk here, where other countries are also racing in this AI space. Who's going to innovate first? Some people are saying that this could be as powerful as like a nuclear weapon, right? You can, if you've mastered this AI tool, you can attack other nations using the AI tool. So that keeps me up at night. <laughs> um, P, what's your views? Does it keep you up or are you like, hey, I don't even use, I barely use my iPhone. This this doesn't really work. No, 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 no. <laughs> <laughs> no, I think, I think exactly to what you said. I think there are, as as time passes, you're starting to sort of hear more and more cases of where of where this is dangerous. Um, one particular example was where, um, and this is this is very scary for parents, right? Um, imagine getting a call um, and you think it's your child on the other line, panicking and screaming for help and saying, "I've been kidnapped." But actually, what was happened is they had used AI to capture the same voice from the actual daughter, and they had used that conversation over the phone with the parent and the daughter was actually fine so what they were trying to say is we now need to implement safe words to identify to 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 distinguish between whether it's ai or not so you're now getting into these spaces and then when you start to see those examples you think to yourself well how far can this really go but i I think i think the impersonation side of things we're seeing in the music industry um i think if i'm correct universal universal have actually taken down a track that was like building up 50 million views in TikTok from Kanye West's, something that was released around Kanye West. So I think the impersonation of people is where it gets really scary because then this, you could think about this at the top ranks of politicians right down to um, corporate positions, right? And actually 
maybe you're on a Zoom call, it's not you, it's somebody else. So this can go, you know, it's a wide spectrum of, of, of impersonation, which is the thing that bothers, that scares me, I think mostly. One thing, but if, if people paid attention, we saw that there was AI of deep, deep fakes of, um, I think, three noticeable images. One, the Pope wearing Balenciaga jacket, which everyone thought was real at first before it was announced that it's, it was AI. The second one was Donald Trump running away from the police. Mm. And the third, I think, was um, was it Emmanuel Macron, the French president, being arrested or something of that nature, or, or picking up litter from on the streets. And it's, you know, we're told that they're fake, but that's because we're told. But if it was something, for example, us at the scene of a crime, how do we argue that we're not there? You know, it's, it's, it's quite dangerous in the wrong hands because even I think back in, I remember 2019 or 2018, there was a video on LinkedIn that I watched and it was, I think, uh, I can't remember the company that put it together. And there was all these celebrities talking to so like Mark Zuckerberg and other notable celebrities speaking about different subjects and it's just transitioning. And they said, oh, by the way, one of those interviews weren't real. Can you guess which one? And if you watch it, you can't actually tell which one was fake. It's very difficult. And I still to this day don't know which one was the fake one. But like P was saying, in the wrong hands of pretending your your child's been kidnapped and these scammers are already smart as it is when it comes to links and trying to hack your accounts. Boy, if they get this, I'll be second guessing everything. You need to, you need secret passwords if everyone just to make sure that it's authentic, it's the real person. And yeah, it's um it's actually a, um, just for the listeners and I'm not sure if you guys have also watched it there's a BBC show called The Capture which talks about exactly what you guys are mentioning is deep fake so it's got to a point where you can't tell if it's us on the podcast for example or someone else actually talking and again similar to this someone was committing a crime not going to ruin it for the listeners but the question is, are you sure that was that person or are you sure it was an AI mm. creating that, which is scary, but it's called The Capture. If you haven't seen it on BBC, check it out. It's a really good show. Yeah, so no, I, I, just, I just wanted to add to a bit more context to that example, people that are listening. In the end, the situation with the daughter being kidnapped, she wasn't kidnapped, she was actually fine. Um, but it was just, that it, you know, it sent the parents into a real panic. Um, and it was, I think the, the, the guys were saying, we want to see you in person and have an exchange of money. We're not that's something along those lines. So it was, but yeah, deep fake. I think I think the point of the conversation is is one of the biggest concerns. Sure. Yeah, maybe just to build on 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 Daniel and P's points. I think on looking at, at it on the other side, and then also looking at the trends, some of which we've spoken about in previous episodes around metaverse and everything. But if you see how more and more platforms are looking to provide verification for more people, albeit as another revenue generator for their platform, but there is that verification element, and then the whole premise of blockchain, et cetera, was to have this ledger where you can track where things are coming from, who's who's distributing it, et cetera. And then more and more people going online. And then if you layer AI on top, I, I know at the moment now, it seems like there could be more risks. And the example that P mentioned is a, is a great example of no one wants to be on the receiving end of that phone call. But with all the trends moving towards this direction of more technology, verification, blockchain, then you could envision something where everything could be tracked or verified quite quickly through technology that was just the thought that was coming to my mind listening to you guys um mm -hmm. give those examples and then in the long run these will sh these trends hopefully do converge but what do you guys because i think we've spoken about the risk what do you guys think in terms of the regulations should we be slowing down the innovation in this space because a lot of people are saying that 
this technology is as big, probably even bigger than when the internet came out. And you can also think about this as a wealth trans transfer or wealth gap tool, right? Because a lot of people can use this innovation. Previously, you might have needed 10, 20 people to start up a company to code a particular application. Now you could do it with yourself or one or a smaller team, right? But then the question with all the risk here, should we be regulating it? Should governments be there? Like if I think about myself, right, I do believe the different nations need to sit down and put together some sort of framework of what can be sort of self-regulated, right? Which parts can people play around with, create innovation, whatever, et cetera. And what elements can, would need some sort of safeguarding so that it doesn't, like we all mentioned, reach a Terminator or iRobot situation scenario. But, but, but then to your point, yeah. who, who, does, who does the regulation? Who polices it? Why do we enforce? Why do we allow them to have so much control? What what does it then allow? You know, you said governments. Not everyone trusts the government. Why would we then entrust the government with such a technology? Because they might then use it for propaganda, for example. We've seen propaganda used in the 50s, the 60s, in World War II. So I wouldn't necessarily trust the government to have it, to, to control it. But also then, who do you govern it? Should it be open access, freely, um, you know, free to access... Who, who then says you can do this, you can't do that, then which nations will, you know, collude to do something, you know, it, it becomes a long list of questions that I'm not, not saying we have the answers, I'm not asking directly, hmm. you know, these are open and rhetorical questions, but it just makes me think, why would we allow a group of people or company or organisation to govern what we can and can't do? Although I don't disagree think, with it, but it's just that it hmm. allow it just creates ambiguity to some degree. I understand what you're saying there, right? But I think there's only really two options. It's either self-regulation, open, right? Or it's government. And with all the downsides with government, they've voted and put in power to safeguard their country, have their country's best interests, right? Are they? You, are they? Yes. Are they? Yes, they are. They are voted. We could voted argue in. very differently. You can argue differently, but they voted in to have the best interest for society. Even, right? even in Nigeria. <laughs> I'm not, I'm not talking about Nigeria. I'm not talking about those, um, other countries. But in most cases, they're there for the best interest of the country and the society, right? And my fear is if you keep stuff open or self-regulated, the people that are benefiting from it are going to be, it's going to, we live in a capitalist world, are going to be revenue generating, money focused. And that might not be the right answer for humanity. So I don't think we have the right answer us for mm. on the podcast right now but there needs to be some form of regulation i believe just to ensure that there's like a safe space where people can play with like if you want to create an application for this whatever etc but when we start opening it up to the whole internet we allow it to like self-learn self um develop and etc you need to have safeguards there because it could just expand to a place that you can't control and you can't shut off mm. and i know most rules and laws are developed after some mistake has happened or um, catastrophe but you want to be careful in this space because if that does happen it could <laughs> it could be a dark day but well, sorry, I think, that, yeah, yeah. Oli, I think rightly so i think there will always be a gap 
in the context of AI and technology, there'll always be a gap between innovation and compliance because the speed at which innovation moves. And compliance and regulation requires people to sit down. It's a lot of bureaucracy. You have to go through tests, et cetera. And I think you mentioned a good point around that the best forms of compliance come from when mistakes are made. So I think it's just going to have to be a well-known risk. It's out there. But what I was thinking as you guys were talking, I think the onus is on those who are developing these AI tools to actually consider regulation that you wrap around it. So I think it's the onus is on corporations that governments can, can play a role in terms of listening and providing some input if they get their chance to sit on the table. But I think it's on the likes of Microsoft, Google, Apple mm-hmm. to say, we're going to design this tool for this purpose and these are going to be the boundaries. That's where it starts. I would say I agree with you, P, just the other way around. I think it should be governments pulling the skill sets of the businesses to then say, what are the rules and regulations? Because we've seen so many times governments might not have the skill sets or deep understanding of this space. But if we get companies to do it, I feel like they're just going to make sure that there's rules and governance there to make sure that they can still make profit and et cetera, et cetera. But yeah. Cool. Um, But this has been a really good conversation for the listeners. Like I said, two really good interviews to listen to Elon Musk um, with Tucker Carlson and then 60 Minutes with the Google CEO, um, Sundar Pichai. Uh, But as I mentioned before, we really wanted to talk about use cases that the listeners could implement, use in their day-to-day life. So I'm going to split this into two sections. Um, So Shuel and Pibilo, why don't we start with you guys? Um, Can you just discuss some use cases that people could use AI for entrepreneurs, business owners, that might be useful for our listeners. Yeah, so maybe some some um, cases that uh, I've, I've been using uh, since the turn of the year. So some cases, I think we spoke about it in previous episodes with ChatGPT. It's been great actually to gather points of discussion for um, for podcasts. So anyone out there who's got who's got a podcast who wants to find points to discuss is actually a great tool for that. As well as that, providing copy for for posts, whether it's promotional posts, blog posts, etc. Um, I saw one great suggestion. Another great example that I've come across is if people are looking to make a presence on LinkedIn to find uh, people that are in their particular niche or subject or topic and actually data scrape some of their most popular posts, plug them all into ChatGPT and then ask ChatGPT to reword it to a certain extent. And then at the end of that point, edit those posts to give your personal perspectives as a layer on top of that. Um, That's more on the content creation side. The other side in terms of more business uh, perspective, one thing that I've used it for is to understand business models of particular industries. So if you're looking to invest in particular industries, um, looking to understand industries a bit more, ChatGPT uh, or other AI tools can give you a great example of not just understanding a business model, but also creating business models from a financial perspective, lender's perspective, and investor's perspective as well. I think those are the first uh, few use cases that I've seen. I know in other examples, you can use it to create images, um, posts, uh, all these other examples, but these are specific examples that I've been able to use uh, with AI at the moment. Now, I just wanted to double down actually on what Shuel's point, because I think um, the use cases really come down to sort of speed and efficiency. Um, the one which um, uh, I'm sort of getting myself into is more around the content creation side of things. So you've got like video AI where you can take 
like what we're doing now, we record something that could be an hour. You could put it into the sort of video AI and it chops up all of the videos and puts the necessary text around. So the amount of time that you can save, um, it, it's it's incredible. Um, and I think Gary V said, everyone, even if you're not actually planning to use AI, you need to learn about it, right? It's, it's, it's the equivalent of, he said, it's the equivalent of years ago when executives would, instead of using email, they would print off, they'll get their PA to print off the document and they can read it. So if you're not going into AI, it's like you're the executive asking for your emails to be printed. That's the that's the equivalent in which he gave. But yeah, I just want to double down on the content creation side of things. But yeah, Olu. So yeah, another one that I think for you guys is chatbots um, was one that I saw. So it's basically a computer program where you could use it as like customer service. Um, you could talk to it and it will basically simulate um, answers as if you're talking to um, an employee. Um, so if you've got like a small company, I think Nathan and I have it with our Beckley Rose Property Solution on our website, it's got a chat box at the bottom. So it feels like someone you're always, if any leads come through, you're always talking to someone within the business, which is quite neat. But we'll move forward. Oh, just on that, just on that point, yeah. I think that's a great um, piece you added. Who then is, um, how do you uh, compute the answers that, that are that so, spits out? It will automatically like have a chain of, okay, asking, you would ask, let's say, for example, what sort of properties do you take, right? It would already know based on our portfolio, other properties that we previously take. And it'll say, hey, we look at normally three to four bedroom houses within this location. And it'll give them the answers. And it'll say, okay. And then really, you're just trying to get the leads and get the number of the person that's asking the questions so that you can then call them back later. So there's so many times then I get a notification come through and say, okay, this is the person, this is their mobile number. These are the conversations that we've had with the bot. Give them a call later on. So it's one, not a cold call, and two, you're accessible 24-7. So even in my sleep, someone could talk to that bot, which is quite neat. And just last one on this one, because um, I'm very interested. You obviously paid a certain amount of money to have that particular type of bot. Are there... If you had paid more, do you get a more sophisticated bot or that's good enough for what you have? It's good enough for what we have for the business and because it's a small business. But I think I'm sure companies and corporations, I've used it in bigger companies and corporations where their bot is more responsive. But it normally is like getting you to like frequent questions and answers. That's yeah, the, yeah, yeah, yeah. the way yeah, I sort of look at it. Nice. Daniel, why don't we switch it up to ask the questions for people that work in the corporate space? What are some AI tools that they can leverage, use some use cases that might be applicable for them and their day job? I'll speak to kind of personal, what I've used it for. Um, two recent examples is I used it for a LinkedIn post. I'm going to a conference in Austin, Texas next week. And I thought I started to write the text of what I want to write in kind of to, to inform my network that I'm going into to network, to inform my network that I was going and for anyone who was attending to connect there. I thought, you know, let me just use ChatGPT to see what it comes up with. So I used that. Um, I kind of asked it a question to write me a blog post to, to reach out to my network to say I'm going to be at um, Consensus 2023. And what it came up with, it was quite good. I did tweak it a little bit to make it a bit more personable um, and to change a few words. But I thought it worked quite well. It was just an element of eliminating of me having to think about what I'm going to write, how to be punchy and to get my network to see what I'm writing as opposed to just using ChatGPT. Um, another way it's been quite um, intuitive and useful is to do outbound emails. 
So rather than formulating a template of myself writing an outbound email, I just use the chat, you know, I just use ChatGPT as an example to see, okay, what kind of email would it write out? I did find that the email it formulated was too lengthy, wasn't succinct enough, and therefore I didn't use it. But it was just good to see what type of language, the way it would sort of invite someone to engage with me in that email to actually want to take the conversation further. But I think, you know, when you look at it in a corporate um, corporate element or arena, it can be used within sales for outbound emails. It can be used for marketing, for looking at analysis, for doing research and marketing campaigns. When you even look in the HR space, it can be used for analyzing CVs and cover letters to see which candidates you may want to, um, to, to invite for an interview or first stage interview and to sift the good from the bad. So I think people often think AI is just simply just asking um, a system or technology a question and it coming back with something, but it can be used for so, so much more. And I think we're only scratching the surface of, of what it can be used for. And just to end on, I think we were talking earlier about its ability to be changing rapidly in the speed at which it's changing. I think we've seen with many different technologies, it's not about being first because we've seen that, for example, Apple weren't the first to create a mobile phone but look at where Apple are now in terms of market share. So sometimes it's about not being first, but being the best at what that product can or can't do. Thanks, Daniel. One other tool that I'm so excited to use is Microsoft um, Copilot. Now this, I saw a demo of it, and I can't wait for my company to implement this into our ecosystem. So imagine most companies use Microsoft Excel, PowerPoint, you might use my teams. Now this AI tool will allow you to, let's say go to a meeting and you can say, um, co-pilot, take notes of this meeting. So it's listening to this meeting, it's taking notes that you're speaking to a particular client. Then you can say to it, hey, co-pilot, put together a PowerPoint proposal of what we talked about with the customer, et cetera, et cetera. It'll put that draft of a PowerPoint together then you can say, hey, put together a contract, write down a contract in Word for offering these terms, these conditions, blah, blah, blah. It'll put together that. Then your manager can send you an Excel and say, hey, analyze this data within this Excel. You just save the Excel down. Copilot, tell me the yearly revenue. Copilot, tell me what's that. Like you're just talking. And with my role as a CFO, right, a lot of my job is not about analysis anymore, data crunching. It's about asking the right questions. So now it feels like I've got this AI assistant that I can just ask all these questions to and it'll provide an answer to it. Go on, Pete. The thing that comes to mind is you might want to be careful how quickly you bring this into your company because it sounds like it could be that co-pilot comes in and you get told to leave. No, 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 no. Why why do we... (laughs) We've spoken about this before. It's going to take away your skill set and what is important for me, right? So instead of now and i've sort of moved away from more sort of analysis and data crunching right now my value is asking the right questions one also having um intuition and understanding like there's stuff that ai and it looks at data it might just black and white logic etc but it still doesn't have that human intuition that human understanding okay where do you want to look forward the creative element of the job when that comes, then look, none of us will have a job. And, <laughs> but and, by that and time, then, 
Oli, your boss says, co-pilot, tell me how much work Oli has done today versus how much you've done. <laughs> Correct, exactly. exactly. <laughs> I, wouldn't, I, wouldn't be so, I, w- yeah. I wouldn't be so quick to bring that co-pilot. Yeah, Oli, you'll be, you'll be halas at that point, bro. <laughs> hey, I, I've had two um, amazing... Uh, we've had amazing 180 episodes of Take Fight Podcast, and you guys have taught me the importance <laughs> of making sure that I don't rely on my job. So when that time does come, you know, it's time for me to move to Bali and be... <laughs> on a beach somewhere but that's a really good tool check out if you haven't yet um if you haven't yet heard about it use it but i just want to wrap up with just one little thing i think we can easily just go around quickly for the listeners that want to learn about ai i think p you mentioned this is a space that's moving rapidly and if you're asleep whilst this ai innovation is going on it's like the example you mentioned CEOs, executives back in the day who were asking their assistant to still print out emails. What are some tools that you guys are using to stay on top of the knowledge, the trends and learning within this AI space? So, so me personally, I, I'm not, I haven't been as, um, I haven't adopted some of the tools like you guys have done. You guys have done a really good job in, in already using, testing, experimenting. Mm. What I actually would just say to listeners is I think we should all take um, Bill Gates has something called a reading week where he blocks out the entire week just to read. I think we should actually do an AI week where we block out everything that we usually do and use that entire week just to research, learn. Because I think it's the only way that you're going to really make an effort. You have to immerse yourself in it. Um, and that's something as I was, as you was asking the question, I was thinking about myself. So that's my, that's my commitment in the next couple of weeks, which is literally to spend four or five days back to back learning the AI and then seeing how I can use more tools for what I do on my day-to-day. Um, and I think everyone should do that at, at the very least, right? Um, Gary Vee said, even if you're not going to use it, you need to know about it. Perfect. Sure. Yeah, similar to, to P, I think it's just about um, the immersive experience. I would actually lean away from reading about tools but actually just going into the tool itself directly and just playing around with it i think it's difficult when you read articles on the ft or bbc news or whatever media platform you use when they talk about ai and the speed at which it's moving it's good to know but nothing can beat that feeling of opening one of these tools putting in a few prompts and then seeing what comes out of it and once you just play around with that you will see some use cases very quickly appear um, depending on what, what you're working on. So I think just to build on P's uh, great suggestion, I would also recommend to going into as many tools. There are many free ones available and playing around with it and seeing what you can do. I would say start off with YouTube. I found YouTube very valuable. Like you can type AI and whatever your interest or passion is. Because I think by you starting with your interest, passion or what you do for a day job, that's where you truly understand the use case. So for myself, I can say, how is AI innovating the finance industry as a CFO? And that way I can truly see the power within AI and the tools. Um, and then secondly, I think like Pabilo and Shua have said, it doesn't get real until you start playing around with this. And it's not that complicated. Um, you don't have to be a tech genius or a tech expert. You just need a username and password and you can just start playing around with it daniel uh, nothing new under the sun to add to, to what you've the three the three of you already said so definitely a plus one for everything that you said and i think also just staying up to date and maybe podcasts can help just informing you on the latest developments of these um, technologies as well thanks daniel 
And that's podcasts like this, Take Flight Podcast. Um, so thank you, listeners, if you stay to the end of the podcast. Um, this podcast, we've talked about um, new trends within the AI space, innovations within the space, the fears and challenges around AI, should we have regulation within AI? And then lastly, we've talked about the use cases when it comes to business owners, entrepreneurs, and then also in the corporate space, so your nine-to-five job. Thank you for listening. I'll pass it over to Daniel to close us out. Thank you all. Um, we wish you a safe and pleasant week ahead. If you have any feedback for us, find us on Take Flight Podcast on Instagram, YouTube, and TikTok. Until next week, stay safe and God bless. Take off, take